for all things sports, the hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, and every personal takes. You're listening to Sideline Story. Hello and thank you for tuning into Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I am your host, Brandon Yates, and today I am joined by my co-host, Yang Huang. And today we will be talking about the biggest talking points in European football from this past week. Of course, there have been plenty of exciting games that we will discuss, as well as some off-the-field headlines that have football fans around the world talking Yang Guang, I think possibly the biggest talking point of the past week or, you know, of any European football week um, is probably El Clasico between, of course, La Liga's Giants, Real Madrid and Barcelona. And what did you think of this week's El Clasico? And do you think that recent games between Real Madrid and Barcelona, particularly over the last, I don't know, I suppose one, two or three seasons have been less star-studded and less entertaining than they have been in the past? Um, yeah, um, I think, first of all, Real Madrid finally played their true level against the Barcelona this season. For the first three encounters, they, they seemed having this pressure coming from nowhere, maybe from the fans' anticipation, maybe because it's El Clasico and they want to win, win it too much. Um, their real level was not there, but for the for this Copa del Rey game, second leg, they totally got rid of the burden on their shoulder and played out an excellent game, a well deserved victory. Uh, then to Barca, uh, well, I think I saw a different Barca team from the Barca in La Liga. Uh, stats back me here. Uh, this season, Barca conceded nine goals in 27 matches in La Liga. They are on course to breaking the records of fewest conceded goals in a single season of the five major European leagues. The current holder is Chelsea. They conceded only 15 goals um, in the 2004-2005 to Premier League season. So it's supposed to be a solid defence from Barcelona. But at the same time, Barca conceded as, as many as 16 goals in European competitions in Champions League and their and later Europa League games. There seemed to be um, a huge gap between their performances at league games and cup games. Um, this 4-0 deficit to Real Madrid is another case. But uh, for a rather young squad with a young coach in charge, I think Barca fans would still be glad to see that the team is growing. And probably um, they would lift the La Liga title this season after so many years of title drafts. Then back to um, the El Clasico. It still looks intense from start to finish over two legs in this Copa del Rey tie. Uh, there are controversies. There are brawls and dramas this week's, in this week's game. Um, it was action-packed, but um, I don't know. Ever since... Ever since Ronaldo left Real and Messi left Barca, I think the El Clasico has somehow declined. Uh, with those two legends playing, the El Clasico was the game of the planet. If there was only one football game to watch the whole year, or even one sports game to watch the entire year, it should have been El Clasico. But now, I don't know. The influence of the Spanish clash is still there. Um, I would put a question mark there. Of course, it has a lot to do with the two teams still trying to rebuild their squads. 
Uh, there are so many rising stars emerging from both clubs, and hopefully,、uh, they are on track of reshaping the El Clasico to its old reputation. Yeah, I think with、um, with Real Madrid in this performance against Barcelona,、um, you know, when you have the likes of Rodrigo, Vinicius, and、um, Benzema playing at the highest level, I think that Real Madrid have one of the best counter-attacking teams in European、mm-hmm. football, and they really seemed to get going against Barcelona in this past week. And I also think we saw a really improved performance from Luka Modric, who you know at his age is still playing at really the highest level. So I think when you've got his creativity combined with The counter-attacking abilities of you know Vinicius and Rodrigo, and, and the finishing abilities of Benzema,、um, it's a really difficult、uh, situation for any team to stop. Even with、um, a team like you said, with the the defensive stats of Barcelona,、um, you know who of course have had the likes of defenders Kounde and Araujo just、uh, performing really well over the last season. But I just think when Real Madrid are in this kind of form, like they were in this game,、um, in terms of attacking, I think any team finds them incredibly difficult to stop. And yeah, you know, I think they've been inconsistent in the league, but in 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 cup competition and particularly European cup competitions,、um, Real Madrid are just for some reason a different unit. Of course, we normally see that in the the Champions League,、um, but in this particular game, we saw it in、uh, you know a Spanish domestic cup competition. And yeah, I think since. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi have left.、Um, of course, that's you know you've got we we're talking about two of you know the greatest players of、mm-hmm. all time. I mean, they definitely make the list of some of the greatest players of all time. So once those two players have left, I think it's going to have an impact on on any side's、um, you know global appeal. But then again. You, I think when those particular players were playing in、um, in El Clasico matches, they also had some superstar players around them that were also just making headlines for a variety of reasons: for massive transfer fees, for playing really well. I think of the likes of Gareth Bale,、uh, Neymar, Luis Suarez.、Um, I mean, these these names will also go down as、uh, some of the best players of a generation.、Um, and I think the the only Player that's left of that, you know, those big front threes is Benzema, and he's of course still playing at a really high level. But I think that's just missing some of those names around, around him for Madrid, and of course、uh, Barca missing Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. Even though they have brought in、um, one of the best strikers in European football over the last decade, Robert Lewandowski. I think they've also suffered in other areas of the pitch. Of course, we've seen the likes of Xavi and Iniesta. You know, also,、yeah. again, you know, two of possibly the best、uh, midfielders in in European football of potentially the last decade or even potentially of all time. So yeah, I think that the loss of those star names have, has definitely had an impact on El Clasico's global appeal. Look, it's still a big deal. I think it is still something、mm-hmm. that football fans look forward to and talk about. Um, but just in terms of you know people kind of stopping what they're doing and watching a game, whether they're football fans or not, I think that kind of appeal of El Clasico games has kind of disappeared, as opposed to in the past where just everyone stopped what they were doing and would watch these matches. And speaking of these matches in the past, of course, over the years there have been some truly、um, iconic El Clasico moments. But in your opinion,、um, what would you say are the biggest moments、um, from El Clasico's in the past? 
Well,、uh, my earliest memory、um, of the El Clasico was back to Ronaldinho leading Barca against、uh, a superstar Real squad、uh, consisting of Zidane, Beckham, Ronaldo,、um, Carlos, Luis Figo, and Raúl. That was like the show of the planet. It was an insane matchup.、Uh, then Messi against Ronaldo is the most El Clasico. I watched.、Um, there are so many classic games I still vividly remember. For example, Messi scored a hat trick to force a three-all draw thriller, especially scoring a fantastic solo goal in the stoppage time in that match, beating Real's entire defense line. That was impressive. Another El Clasico Messi posterized、um, Benwell、um, after scoring a game winner、uh, and showing off his Barca shirts in front of the. Real diehard fans stand. That was an image to remember. Then, flashback to Ronaldo silencing Camp Nou after scoring an equalizer in an important El Clasico between the two sides.、And、these are the highlighting moments in my collection、um, of the El Clasico games. It, it seems like those matches between the two teams were fierier and more eye-catching.、Um, it drew global attention, like you said, even those who don't watch football. Even as a Bayern Munich fan, I wouldn't miss any El Clasico encounters those years. So, I kind of echo Barca fans this week when they chanted Messi's name minutes into the El Clasico game. I I miss the old days of El Clasico. Perhaps it was also the golden era of the El Clasico. Yeah, I think over the years there have been some incredible El Clasico performances. For me,、um, one particular moment that I remember was、um, that Gareth Bale goal,、um, where he ran off the field、right. and rounded. <laughs> I think it was,、um, I think it was Sergi Roberto. I think that he ran around, or、uh, I don't remember the actual player that he ran around, but it, that was just something that really、um, stood out for me as one of the most iconic El Clasico moments. And I think. Geez, my 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 memory is kind of failing me here, but I think it was it was either a five nil or a five one defeat that Barcelona inflicted on Real Madrid, and it was just the best like Messi, Xavi, Iniesta performance where Real Madrid just couldn't get a touch of the ball, and you know we just saw Iniesta and Xavi、um, and Busquets just absolutely dominate that midfield with the. The you know the typical tiki taka football that we've seen from Barcelona that was particularly something that everyone enjoyed to watch from you know 2010 to you know from from that decade onwards, and of course you know we've talked about、um, Lionel Messi and of course we know that he had to leave Barcelona due to their financial constraints and he ended up at PSG, and even though he is in a star-studded attacking front three once again with、uh, of course he joined forces with Neymar once again and、um, he's also alongside. Possibly the best player in the world right now in Kylian Mbappe,、um, and and on paper that could even potentially be a more deadly front three than we saw with、um, Neymar, Suarez, and Messi. But it just hasn't worked out for them for some reason in terms of results and statistics.、Um, and I think that you know Messi's impact at PSG hasn't really been what he and the club have hoped for, and it's gotten to a point where you know.、Um, When his name is mentioned, or even sometimes when he gets the ball, that his own PSG、mm-hmm. fans have started booing him, which I, you know, I never, I never thought there would ever be a time in Lionel Messi's career where his home fans
yeah. um, would be booing him and his performance, which is it's just it's pretty staggering and it's just incredible how things can uh, change over time. But when you're looking at uh, Messi's career, do you think that his time at PSG is coming to an end? And if he does leave, what do you think could potentially be his next destination? Um, yeah, um, things are not looking right about Messi at PSG. Otherwise, there won't be so many gossips uh, linking Messi with the Saudi club Al-Hilal. And uh, there won't be PSG fans booing Messi, as you said. Uh, it's It made so many commentators speechless. Um, there are also hopes that Messi would return to Barcelona uh, though Messi hasn't responded to any of these rumors, I think Messi's time with PSG is um, is really ticking out. Look, happy or not, Messi's career with PSG is so far, as you said, a failure or not reaching exact uh, expectations from the fans, from the club owners. Perhaps e- economically, PSG has been a winner so far, signing Messi, but football-wise... Um, they are, have only won domestic trophies. Champions League has been the target, the only target maybe, but they were always steps away. I expect Messi's departure from France after his current contract expires and his next stop, which uh, I think could also be his last stop in his professional career, could be um, at Major League Soccer, I don't know, in the United States. Um, I know fans are hoping to see Messi back to Barca, uh, but I don't see it happen. Messi is no longer the player when he left Barca on the competitiveness level. Barca is in the rebuilding phase, uh, financial aspects aside. I don't see why they need Messi on the pitch right now. Uh, to be honest, uh, this may... Um, irritate some Messi fans, but I think after the World Cup, Messi has largely been distracted from his club games. There were too many celebrations with his national squad about World Cup triumph. It's not a blaming, he deserved this, but um, certainly PSG was compromised, more or less, I suppose. Yeah, I think his performances were affected after the World Cup. Of course, you know, he I think he solidified his GOAT status by winning the World Cup with Argentina. But yeah, since then, um, club performances for PSG have not been great. And look, it's not all down to Lionel Messi. I think um, PSG's off-the-field situations have been troubling. I don't think that they've got enough um, quality to back up the likes of uh, Neymar, um, Mbappe and Messi, um, particularly in midfield um, mm-hmm. in PSG. So I, th- I don't think that those three uh, front players are getting the supply that they really require. But yeah, just in terms of Messi's next move, it's just it's a tricky situation for him because I don't see any other. Well, I don't. First of all, I don't think PSG want to sell him. Second of all, I think that if he did have to leave PSG, unless he went to, um, you know, the MLS, of course, there have been talks of him joining Inter Miami, which I think could very well happen, or moving to potentially a Saudi club. You know, I don't think that's something that he necessarily wants to do. I think that he still wants to be playing European football, and I think he Mm -hmm. wants to win another Champions League title. That being said, I don't think Barcelona can afford his return and look I don't think money is at the forefront of his mind but I don't think anyone likes to take a massive pay cut and if he did go to Barcelona I think he would have to take an incredible pay cut and also I think it might mess with his legacy um, if he returned to Barcelona and didn't deliver the performances that he has in the past so maybe that's also something that's in his mind he doesn't want to change um, 
Barcelona's fans' views of him. So I have this feeling that even though the situation isn't really working out for himself or PSG, I think he could remain at PSG for at least one more season. I think that um, he has unfinished business there, and I think that he truly believes that he can bring them a Champions League title. And he, probably, he, he could be looking at his situation and thinking, look, with this team, I can maintain my wages, and I still have a really strong chance of competing in the Champions League if we sort out, for example, like I mentioned, our midfield problems and maybe sign one or two defenders. And of course, PSG have the finances to, you know, basically Mm -hmm. afford anything that's available. So I do see Messi potentially staying at PSG for another season or two. And then if things don't work out, he may make a big money move to, um, you know, a Saudi club or, you know, to MLS and get some sort of deal that maybe David Beckham had in the past in terms of ownership Mm -hmm. rights for uh, a future MLS club or something like that. Or maybe he will return to his boyhood club in Argentina, as he always said that he oh, would yeah. do at the end of his career. <laughs> yeah, which which could potentially happen. And then, of course, there he would take an enormous pay cut, or if he would even get paid. Um, I don't think that would be <laughs> important to him at that point. But I think in terms of them progressing, particularly in the Champions League, which is, of course, their biggest goal in terms of you know their their owners and their players... Um, I think that a lot of work needs to be done at PSG on and off the field. And moving to the English Premier League, um, of course, midweek we saw Liverpool and Chelsea play out to a goalless draw in the league. Um, And, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool have really been struggling this season compared to last seasons um, dramatically. Um, You know, far outside of top four hopes and nowhere near the, the battle for the title. But looking at next season, which of these two teams do you think have the best chance of bouncing back and competing with the likes of Arsenal and Manchester City in the next season? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I think a goalless draw may just reflect in what stages these two struggling clubs are in at the moment. Uh, but I do believe Chelsea might be able to regain the momentum next season if there's a proper coach appointed. Julian Nagelsmann should be a nice choice for them. Um, Chelsea signed quality players in the past year or so. Um, Their depth looks good. Honestly, I didn't really get it when they fired Thomas Tuchel early in the season and uh, replaced him with uh, Graham Potter. To me, it it was a backward move. Tuchel could have led this squad to a top four finish, but that's just a what ifs. Liverpool, in my opinion, is um, in a bigger trouble because they have no choice but to stick to Jurgen Klopp. I think Klopp is experiencing another cycle when he took charge of Dortmund. After a few seasons with Klopp, Dortmund also met a plunge. Um, I believe for a certain year they fought against relegation in the Bundesliga. There were also serious injury issues within the team then, Every opponent had studied in detail Dortmund's strategy, game strategy. Klopp frowned upon his getting old team, which no longer provided the same energy it once produced. I I think Klopp is in a similar situation with Liverpool now. Um, Unless Klopp can change this team with a whole other set of players, replacing the likes of uh, Arnold, Henderson, Milner. Otherwise, I don't see they can all of a sudden be revived next season. There might be some more downhill to slide on for the Reds. 
Yeah, I think with Liverpool, there's a lot of work to be done. And, and like you said, I think teams have been studying Liverpool's tactics and have figured out a way to to counter them. And I think the loss of Sadio Mane for Liverpool was a much bigger mm-hmm. loss than Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool anticipated. And I don't think that their midfield has been dynamic as it has been in previous seasons. And that was a really crucial part to Liverpool's success. And, you know, the likes of Mo Salah um, have really not been performing like they have. I mean, look, he is still having a pretty good season, but, you know, not anywhere near, you know, what we've seen in the past. So I think there's a lot of signings and tactical elements to Liverpool's performances that we need to see um, changing in next season. Um, And I think Jurgen Klopp should remain at Liverpool. Uh, If he does do so, that remains to be seen. Of course, there's a lot of vacancies that are going to be happening around Europe. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Klopp stays at uh, at Liverpool. But with Chelsea's situation, yeah, they need to be finding a permanent manager. Um, they've got incredible finances available to them and they've got some world-class players as well. So I think that um, if they get a manager in that is world-class and has some tactics that will suit um, the players that are in that squad and they are given direction, then I think Chelsea also have a great chance of bouncing back. Of course, uh, Manchester United have also seen a revival under new manager Eric Ten Hag and Manchester City and Arsenal have been playing incredibly well in the Premier League this season, particularly Arsenal, which I don't think many people saw happening um, this season. But what do you think of Manchester United's top four hopes? And do you think that Manchester City could potentially overturn Arsenal's lead at the top of the Premier League um, with so few fixtures remaining? Uh, yeah, Man United seems on the right track, I have to say. Eric Ten Hag clearly uh, has helped to snap United's declining trajectory and they are now slowly climbing back. I think United fans should be very optimistic about the Champions League spot next season. Um, at least for now, it looks like a target within reach. Um, and uh, as for the title race between Man City and Arsenal... As things stand now, I think it would be a hard job for City to overturn Arsenal's lead. City needs to also focus on the Champions League tie against the Bayern Munich. Considering Pep has never won the Champions League with City, I think they would very much concentrate on these two legs and the Premier League fixtures in between against um, Southampton and Leicester these two weeks could see City drop points. I think City's only chance is to keep up on the five-point deficit and this month beat the Gunners um, in the head-to-head clash. Then I guess pressure would be all on Arsenal and every remaining game for them equals a final. This pressure could pile on and I don't know if the Arsenal lets can well manage it. Yeah, I think with Eric Ten Hag, um, you know, finishing with the League Cup and a top four spot in the Premier League would be an amazing season for him and Manchester United. And then I think that sets them up very well in the transfer market to sign, for example, a striker, maybe another defensive midfielder as uh, cover for Casemiro and maybe another centre back and a right back. Um, so, so, yeah, I think things are looking good for Manchester United. They have had some slip-ups recently, but I do see them finishing in the top four along with potentially Newcastle United. I think Tottenham might uh, slip up at some point. So I do see Newcastle and United completing the top four with Manchester City and Arsenal. And... I do have a feeling that Arsenal are going to win the league this season. I really didn't, even when they were leading the the league for you know the early parts of the season. But I think there have been a couple of moments where I thought, 
geez, this might be the point where Arsenal flounder and, you know, start to mm-hmm. lose their lead and Manchester City start to to catch up. But it just hasn't really happened. Arsenal have just been so incredibly consistent and are playing the best attacking football. They're looking solid defensively. Um, and even without uh, Gabriel Jesus for, for most of the season, you know, some of their other attackers have really stepped up and played Really well, of course, mostly the likes of Bukaro Saka and um, uh, Gabriel Martinelli down the left and right flanks. They've been absolutely incredible. And even Eddie Nketiah has stepped up at striker um, and, and has performed really well. And of course, Martin Odegaard, the captain, is also a, a young captain, has been really effective for Arsenal. So things are really looking good for them. Mm-hmm. And I think they are still the favourites to to win the English Premier League season. But time will tell if they can maintain their momentum or if Manchester City can do what they do best and catch up and keep the pressure on league leaders Arsenal it should be a very entertaining last couple of matches in the English Premier League but that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story thank you so much for joining us and of course we will be back next week with our latest topic and we will see you then 